Well, good morning. Some of you remember me, and I remember a couple of you. Uh, no, you, you, you all look familiar, almost. I met a couple of new people already, so it's really good to be here. Uh, kind of a strange summer, except for, for sure for this. One thing that, that doesn't change no matter what, the summer flew. Three months, I hate to admit it, but it went really, really fast. And a, up until about three weeks ago, as it was getting closer, I was actually starting to get just a little panicked. How can it be going so fast? I honestly wasn't ready to come back yet. <laughs> but all of a sudden, one day, that just tipped, and the, the, the feelings inside started changing, and this time started going faster, and there was less time left, and suddenly, you know, it, it didn't matter anymore. So that day by day and by Monday, a holiday, I was mostly anxious just to be here. And not so much anxious for Tuesday as for today, to to be able to see you. A couple of things that were strange on a sabbatical for a pastor, um, maybe the, the, in, in some ways the two strangest things were these. And there are a bunch of strange things, but, but this, the first is not worshiping here on Sundays. I got to a fair number of different churches and to worship gatherings, and I appreciated all of them. I really worked hard not to be a worship service reviewer. <laughs> I worked really hard not to be a sermon critic. It's not easy. We just step into that all the time. But just to be a human being and a child of God and a follower of Jesus, to be with this community of people, um, we had, we had uh, a beginning and an ending to our summer. We, we worshiped across town at Thorn Apple Covenant Church. The first week, the biggest surprise was that the cams were there. <laughs> and Derek and Alicia were up front, and I, I don't think I've ever seen Derek in a tie before. So he, he thinks slightly higher of Thorn Apple than he does of you and me. <laughs> but uh, but uh, as much as I appreciated the different worship settings... None of it actually felt just right, but this morning feels right, and it's, it's good for me to see familiar faces, including some I, I might not have seen up here before, uh, leading in worship, and uh, that's just great. The, the other thing that's really strange for me is I haven't preached, and it almost takes me back in this very moment to um, some of my earliest public speaking experiences. And, and they weren't pretty ones. <laughs> uh, you start wondering. You, I, you lose all sense of rhythm. And so here I am. So I'm asking God for his mercy right now because I'm going to be stepping back into this. But uh, uh, that's one of the strangest things is just this experience of being with a community of people and being able to open God's word with you. So we'll, we'll talk more about some things. I look forward to visiting with uh, a number of you in, in half an hour or so. But uh, right now, I'd like to read God's Word with you. And um, a couple of different passages from the prophet Jeremiah and from uh, Paul writing to Christians in the city of Rome. I'm going to invite you to stand. Uh, this is not exceedingly lengthy um, words, so I'm going to read these together. And I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. 
This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And in the New Testament, Paul writing to Christians in a place he'd never been to before, but he was very anxious to go. It was the capital city, it was the most powerful city, in some ways the most impressive city on earth or in the known world uh, that, that Paul inhabited. He was anxious to be there to visit with a group of people, again, who he'd never met, but he'd heard about them. And he wanted to share with them news that they already knew a fair amount about, news about Jesus. And so getting ready for that time when he would actually come, he would end up coming as a prisoner to that city. Uh, this is what he wrote at the beginning. First paragraph of chapter 1 and then just a couple of verses right in the middle. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures, regarding his son who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Verse 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who calls us together. We thank you for the opportunity to lift our voices and to focus our minds and to offer our hearts and praise to you. And now we thank you, holy God, that you are not silent, but that you speak. And you speak especially to us through your word. Your word written, your word enfleshed in Jesus, your word loose in this planet, in us, doing its work. We pray that we will hear, and that we will be shaped, and that we'll be changed. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, braggers and boasters, the world is full of them. Sometimes they are us. Uh, Sometimes they bother us. We laugh or scorn the extremists when it comes to boasting and bragging. Most of us are more subtle when it comes to boasting and bragging, and we appreciate the people who know how to keep it under control. But the people who are just out in the open, sometimes they just amuse us. We smile at them. It was a little over two years ago that one of the greatest of them all died. Um, Actually, he would have called himself the greatest, and that was Muhammad Ali. He had no competition when it came to bragging. I want to just read a couple of the statements he was known for through the years of his career. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, his hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. Now you see me, now you don't. George thinks he will, but I know he won't. I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I can't possibly be beat. It's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. That's straightforward. 
If you even dream of beating me, you'd better wake up and apologize. (laughs) Bragging is when a person says something and can't do it. I do what I say. I'm the greatest, and I said that even before I knew I was. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. I should be a postage stamp. That's the only way I'll ever get licked. At home, I'm a nice guy, but I don't want the world to know. Humble people, I've found, don't get very far. Talking about another great boxer of a previous era, Sonny Liston, he said, he's too ugly to be the world champ. The world champ should be pretty like me. He said, I'm the astronaut of boxing. Joe Lewis and Dempsey were just jet pilots. I'm a world of my own. It's not bragging if you can back it up. I'm not the greatest. I'm the double greatest. Wow. We know boasters and braggers. A lot of people. A lot of people on the public stage. If you listen, some of them wear it on on their sleeves. The President of the United States wears it on his sleeves. (laughs) He's a boaster and bragger, and there's no missing it. But other people... It's not quite so obvious, but if you listen carefully and you think, they are too. Boasting and bragging is a pretty common human experience. It happens uh, in all of our lives, somehow or another. New Testament scholar David Garland writes, Boasting is not a common word in Greek literature, but the practice of praising himself, uh, oneself was quite familiar But I want you to think about what the prophet Jeremiah said a long time ago. We read those words a few moments ago. It takes all of us as human beings up short. Because all of us want to have something to brag about. And we we want something to back it up. We, We want to be able to say with Muhammad Ali, it's not bragging if it's true. And here I am, I'm that good. We would love to be able to strut on the world stage just a little bit. But Jeremiah said... This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their strength, nor the strong boast, uh, let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. We're warned. Not to boast. We're just told not to do it. And, and Jeremiah, the Lord through Jeremiah, names a couple of categories of things we shouldn't boast about. If you're rich, don't boast about your riches. If you're strong, don't boast about your strength. If you're wise, don't boast about your wisdom. Why? Well, in the words of the Apostle Paul, because you don't have anything you didn't receive. If you're good looking, don't brag about it. <laughs> you didn't make yourself. And if you look better than you really are, you're just faking it. I guess we all fake it a little bit. Don't boast. Accept this, to boast in something worthy boasting of, something greater. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not, and there's, there are almost nothing to them, to nullify the things are, so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you're in Christ Jesus, 
who has become for us wisdom from God, our our righteousness, our, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I want to kind of think about that with you this morning for just a few moments, boasting and boasting in the Lord. And more than just that, I, I want to take it into New Testament terms, and particularly to our big brother uh, and leader, Paul's language, who talked about boasting, not just in the Lord, but in the Lord Jesus, who talked about boasting in the cross and talked about boasting in the gospel. It seems that Paul was someone who was proud of Jesus and proud of the gospel. Are you? Am I? Eugene Peterson, uh, in his paraphrase in the message of a passage we just read from Romans chapter 1, writes this. I can't wait to get to you in Rome preaching this wonderful good news of God. It's news I'm most proud to proclaim, this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with Jews and then right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in, in the acts of faith, confirming what the scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God, by trusting him, really lives. Listen to how Eugene puts Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It's news I'm proud to proclaim. This gospel, I'm proud of it. This gospel, I'm proud to speak it. I'm proud to communicate it. And there's little doubt that that's part of what Paul was saying. But Eugene's take is not exactly what Paul said. Paul did not say outright, I'm proud of Jesus, or I'm proud of the gospel, or I'm proud of this message, or I'm proud to be able to preach it. Rather, he said this, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this. Why would he say that? Why would someone say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, or not ashamed to talk about it? Well, let me give you a hint. We'll come back to it in just a moment. But the hint is this, because there is a strong temptation, and Paul knew it as well, to be ashamed of the good news, and even to be ashamed of Jesus, the Jesus who ended up on a cross. What's the gospel? The gospel, evangelion is the word. Evangel, evangelism, evangelical, not first and foremost political terms like a lot of people think in America today. On the contrary, they are words about a message, something to communicate. And that message had come and that experience and that truth had come to Paul and it turned his life upside down in a moment. That's not how it works in all of our lives, but it did that way in Paul. He was changed in a moment and his life took off in a new direction. And the thing that dominated his existence was this message, this good news. In Romans chapter 1 verse 2, he calls it this. It's God's good news. It's God's gospel. It's not something that comes from human ingenuity or human imagination or human creativity or Paul's musings and his ideas and his sense of what's going on around him. Paul wasn't uh, writing op-eds and he wasn't just sharing his own ideas or opinions. He said, the message I'm giving my life to is God's good news. It comes from him. Religion, if you look at it historically, you can tell where, where it arises and some of the things, the peoples who create the religions of the world. 
But Paul was saying there's something different about this message. It doesn't arise from within a people. It comes from the outside into this world. It's the announcement of something brand new. It comes from God. There's something else about this gospel, this good news. It's not just new. It's not a novelty. It's not just the latest thing out there. Because its roots go way back. Go back far, far in time. Romans chapter 1 verse 2, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. There were intimations, there were signs, there were words that something was coming that was going to be important. It happened a long time before. Prophets, visionaries, not just seeing things, not just making a guess, not ancient philosophical or religious meteorologists giving their best guess about what's going to happen later today or next week. But people who'd been given a promise of something that would happen. That had been anticipated for a long time. Good news that wasn't just new. Good news that didn't come from Paul. It came from God himself. Good news that was most of all about Jesus Christ. The gospel he promised regarding, verse 3, regarding his son. The good news is all wrapped up in this Jesus. Someone who is very human and very much more. Very human, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David. He was a son of David, a son of Abraham. He was a Jew. Yes, he was in the royal line, but he was just from common folk. Born in Bethlehem. Went to Bethlehem because Joseph was of the lineage, the heritage of David. As to his weakness, Jesus was a human being, like you and me. But something else was true about him as well, who through the spirit of holiness was appointed or declared the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. More. More than meets the eye. More than has been seen or experienced anywhere else. This good news concerns his son, concerns Jesus. Who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. But in spite of all that highfalutin language that Paul talks about and the way he expresses this good news, he says to them, I want you to know, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. What would Paul have been ashamed of? Have you ever been ashamed of the gospel? Ashamed of being a Christian? Ashamed of what you believe? Uh, This summer, I've watched the news a little bit. I've paid attention to what's gone on in the lives of some significant Christian leaders. I've been shocked and disappointed. The Catholic Church is dealing with a bit of a crisis right now. A lot of leaders, high and local, have been involved in things that just make you ashamed. I'm not even Catholic, but there's a little kinship. Sometimes what the church has done, the way we've lived, would cause us to be ashamed. But that's not what Paul's talking about. And sometimes when we look around, we don't think we're the most impressive group of people around. Sometimes the most impressive people don't seem to be people who follow Jesus, who believe in him. That's not what Paul's talking about either, though. 
I was talking about Jesus on that thing. That thing right there. It was a, sometime in the 1850s, some archaeological digs were going on near the city of Rome, Palatine Hill. And while there, they found remains of, of a drawing, an etching. They figure it came from somewhere around the year 200, AD 200. It's faded, but it can be still discerned what it is. There's two figures in, in, in what was found. A man standing kind of looking towards another man. And off to the side, there is a cross. And on that cross is a man hanging. But with this, with a head of a donkey. And the, ma- the name of the one, the name of the, uh, of the etching is Anaximenos worships his God. It seemed a joke to the people of the first century that, that the key to life and the key to the universe and the, the key to history and the key to making sense of your life and my life isn't found in good advice. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Good wisdom. Just get a little perspective. Don't worry, be happy. But it's found in good news, but the news entails the God of the universe ending up on a cross. And from the very beginning, that was something that seemed just too pitiful to be trusted. The Jews found it to be a stumbling block. The Greeks found it to be folly, foolishness. But for those who listened and heard and who couldn't get Jesus out of their mind, couldn't get Jesus out of their imagination, couldn't push him off to the side, more and more in their experience, that good news that included that man up on the cross became for them the power and wisdom of God, enough to change human life and human beings. That's why Paul wasn't ashamed of it. Because it was God's good news. Because it was good news that has its roots deep in the history of God's promise to his people. Because it was news about Jesus. Jesus who stands out above and different than all others. Crucified, yes. Everybody who was crucified was nobody. They were nobodies, they were forgotten, they were of no significance at all, and yet somehow or other, this man who was crucified, somehow that cross became central to the faith and the conviction of the largest community of human beings on this planet. And somehow the rest of us have not been able to shake him. Paul was not ashamed because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. All kinds of people. Republicans, Democrats, Americans, and everybody else. Rich people and poor people. Smart people and not so smart people. Good looking people and people who are not so good looking. People who know how to get along with others and people who don't know how to talk hardly. People who are religious and people who are irreligious. People who are educated and people who are uneducated. People who live pretty good lives, as best everybody else can tell, and people who are locked away for the rest of their lives. 
The good news of Jesus is the only news on the planet that's news that's intended for every single human being. You know what's true about you and me? What was true about Muhammad Ali? Bragging about yourself only goes so far. It only lasts so long. It all comes apart in the end. And death has the last word. And death is tied to sin. And all of us fall short. All of us. We may pride ourselves by how close we get. But all of us fall short. And Paul said, I have a message that matters, that's important to every single person. Right now, in the city of Grand Rapids, last night and tonight, there's some events going on down by the river, by the Ford Museum. Whether you're able to get there or not, I want you to think about the good news. But if you haven't been there, I encourage you to go and bring someone along. I got a message this morning from someone in this congregation who was there last night. This person had a special shirt on. They were a festival friend. And they wondered, will I get to talk to anybody else at all? How will I see when someone responds and stands to a message? And she she said to me, in the end, do you know what? It was someone who was standing right next to me the whole time. And she got to share with that woman and pray with her. And you know what happened once again? The power of God's good news entered a life and began that work of change. Isn't that good? I talked to somebody else who invited a neighbor, a friend, to come along last night to listen, not knowing very much about that that neighbor, honestly. Not knowing anything about that neighbor's spiritual life or conviction. Not knowing that that neighbor had been raised a Christian, had grown up and had believed some way or other, but had been long away from that life. And that neighbor listened, and that neighbor said yes, and that laborer's life was changed. My life has been changed. Your lives have been changed. I encourage you, be proud. Not proud of your Christian team, forget it. Not even proud of your church particularly, forget it. Surely not proud of your pastor. There's nothing to that but proud of the good news that we might sometimes think God can't use today. And then he does again and again and again. Know it, trust it, believe it, share it, because it changes everything. God does through Jesus on a cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. And we thank you for what you're doing, what you've done, and what you will do. And it astounds us. We think everything's got to look good and run smooth and be impressive. 
We live in the age of, of technology and wows and the things that flash and the things that are fast. There's a place for all that. But in the end, even with all of that, we all fall short. The future is found and the present's found and power is found in the good news of the God who became one of us and loved us so much that he ended up in the most despicable, pitiful place he ever could to make it right for us. It's power. Help us trust the power of Jesus. Amen.